Before we start today's episode, we have to address something important. It feels strange and immature to pretend like it's business as usual and ignore this. Right now, hundreds of thousands of people across the world are protesting. The deaths of George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, along with countless others, have shook some people in this country to their core. It is shocking and appalling what black Americans have to go through every day just to be treated fairly, and we wanted to say, Black Lives Matter. As a person of color living in the United States, a lot of the freedoms and liberties that I have and a lot of people do experience are strongly attributed to the protesting, activism, and pushback against racism spearheaded by members of the black community, whether it's in the past or in recent times. Without them, my family would not have the quality of life we currently possess. Keeping this in mind, it's honest to make Black Lives Matter more than just a movement that sparks every time a new incident involving police brutality is widely documented. This isn't something that we can give our attention to once in a while. It's been heartwarming, to say the least, to see how many people have taken the initiative to donate to causes such as the NAACP, use their social media platforms as educational tools to remind everyone that Black people do face challenges beyond the scope of our experiences and knowledge, and grow Black Lives Matter into a global rallying cry to end systemic racism and oppression. It's important, however, to remind yourself every now and then that if you think you've done enough, there's always a little more that can be accomplished, whether it's by watching documentaries on Netflix such as The 13th, having uncomfortable conversations with family members and parents, or something just as simple as reaching out to your local government representatives. We have a voice, and it's on us to use it to help make a meaningful change at an institutional level moving forward. This issue will not just be fixed with changes to our policing. It's also about housing, about education, about health care. Across the board, African Americans have been systemically oppressed. Institutional racism is prevalent across all forms of life, and in order for African Americans to become truly equal in this country, all of that must be addressed. But this movement needs to start somewhere, and it's starting in a place where black lives seem to be affected the most. If you are idle, you are contributing to their oppression. This movement is bigger than any one individual or any one race. It affects all of us equally. Protesting, donating, anything you can do makes a difference. We both support and will continue to support the movement for equality. And we both encourage you all to do the same. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Locked In Podcast. My name is Ani. My name is Shri. And this is episode 11. Today is going to be kind of kind of a mixed bag. We're going to be talking about some, some leagues coming back in soccer. We have NASCAR coming back. We have some NFL stuff. Um, a lot of NFL stuff, actually. If you've been on Twitter, you know the NFL world is on fire. So we'll be getting to that. And we also have... NBA updates, which are always fun. We're going to be going over some hypotheticals, scenarios, what this new format means with the playing tournament and everything in between. So just stay tuned. Yeah. So as Ashri said, we have a lot of leagues coming back. Bundesliga, the, the premier German soccer league, tier one German soccer league. They are back. They've been back for a few weeks now, I think two weeks, and they've been playing their games and I've been watching. It's been pretty interesting. They've had no crowds in their games but some teams have crowd noises being pumped in a bit controversial some people like it some people don't but overall Bundesliga is back 
Um, always reminded how bad of a league it is whenever I watch it. But yeah. <laughs> I caught a bit of Dortmund's one no win today, so that was the most entertainment I had from Bundesliga probably ever. I really just don't watch that league often, so I, I don't want to say too much on it. But no, no defense played in that league at all. That's just the most frustrating thing for me. Is just nobody plays defense, but. I I think it's cool that they're the first soccer league that's coming back and they're experimenting with the crowd noise and they might be the harbinger to us to come. Uh, people are saying the NFL could use Madden or sorry, the NBA, sorry, could use NBA 2K, not the NFL could use Madden. The NBA could use NBA 2K to like pump in crowd noise because they have pretty good crowd noise in NBA 2K from an objective standpoint. Like that's the one thing they've mastered over the years, I guess, is how good the crowd noise is. And it, it's nice to have people feel like or the athletes feel like they're in the games. And some athletes, like Aaron Donald said, it's going to be so weird without crowd noise. But other people say, uh, athletes themselves say, if you're just playing basketball, it's like playing in the gym. It is what it is. And for fans ourselves, it's interesting to hear what they're talking about. So I think it's really a mixed back 50-50. We'll see how it goes. Some people like the crowd noise, some people don't. But yeah. Well, I know if they're if NBA is going to have 2K crowd noise, we know we're skipping David Aldridge in the beginning, and we know we're skipping the halftime show. So, oh, 100%, 100%. Uh, too bad we can't simulate that. But, Ani, you have any thoughts on Premier League also coming back? It seems like they're going to play a lot of games in a very short amount of time. So I'm more concerned about the health and safety of the players than anything else. I'm excited to see Premier League coming back. But overall, a bit skeptical as to how safe it will be. And we saw even when Bundesliga coming back that it was a bit difficult for these players to basically go from zero training and a lot of time off to coming back. So again, we'll see how it goes. I have faith. I think Premier League is one of the more interesting soccer leagues to watch. Definitely more interesting than Bundesliga. Uh, but La Liga is coming back as well, so that'll be cool to watch as well. I think La Liga is the best soccer league um, just to watch. But And then Serie A is coming back as well. So a lot of soccer leagues are coming back, and that's a sport where social distancing on the pitch can and can't <laughs> take place at the same time. Just definitely a lot less closer contact most of the time than football but mm-hmm. um definitely not as socially distant as a sport like baseball baseball is a sport where basically no one's standing next to someone else other than the batter in the batter's box and someone on base so honestly baseball is the sport that you know when someone invented it they must have thought yeah this is the sport that's perfect for social distancing but speaking of baseball it does not look to me at least and i know sure you have similar thoughts that the mlb will, will start it all this season yeah, so some some people were talking about maybe having like a, a minimized season, like a forty-eight game season. But honestly, with baseball, when the standard is one hundred and sixty-two games, anything I think you were saying earlier, anything less than half seems kind of meaningless. We just scrap the season at that point. Just in in terms of the players, the minor leaguers, having that short a season proves nothing. First of all, from purely a game standpoint, forty-eight games is not even nearly enough a sample size to make a determination on a team. There's always those second half charges, those wildcard teams that make a push. But more importantly, in terms of payment, having a 48-game season, that's not nearly enough. And especially with all the minor leaguers, I know some teams have changed their fronts and are actually paying the players now, but it, it, it doesn't make sense in terms of having that agreement between MLB Players Association and Major League Baseball. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. As I said, and I was talking to you earlier, I don't think it makes sense for the MLB to come back with anything less than half of the season. I personally think this all boils down to the owners being greedy. I think MLB owners are some of the worst owners in sports. I think they're incredibly greedy and they've gotten used to basically buying their way through everything. As some people may not know, 
there's an unlimited payroll. There's no salary cap in the MLB. Mm-hmm. So I think the owners have gotten used to a certain standard, and these owners want to protect their bottom lines for just one year. They didn't want to lose money a single year. So they said, we are trying to make sure we're paying players as less as possible while still making them play the maximum amount of games. But a lot of these players fearing for their safety and also just the standing for money that that is deservedly theirs said, no, we are not paying for, or we're not going to play if you're only paying us for 30, 40% of the season, even though we're playing 70, 80% of the game. So I'm glad the players took a stand. We saw players like Max Scherzer really take a stand. And I, I'm, I, I think if the if the owners and the MLB itself was to budge a little bit, not a little bit, but budge in general and give in to the demands of the players, then we might have a season. But because ownership is being greedy, there's not going to be a season at all, and that's entirely their fault and no one else's. I People say a lot of these times, oh, yeah, all these players are millionaires, so the optics look bad on them. But this time, the optics look terrible on the owners because the players are, are giving in to most of the owners' demands, and they're just trying to you know live and have a safe MLB season. And also the fact that most owners initially didn't even want to pay the minor leaguers. And these are people that essentially don't make a lot of money. A lot of them make less than $100,000 a year. And minor leagues are the backbone of the MLB. That's how every single player gets to the majors. They go through the minors. They go through the farm system. So them not even paying minor league players unless there's a public backlash just shows how bad MLB owners are. Thankfully, as of late, we talked about the A's on a previous podcast, how they weren't paying their minor leaguers. They kind of changed their position on that. So at least now I support a fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of a team that, you know, gives a shit about their players. So at least that's one, one positive thing to come out of this. But who knows? Maybe we'll have an MLB season. Maybe we'll have an abbreviated one or just, just not have one at all. So we'll we'll keep on the lookout for updates on that but yeah every other every other major sports franchise not franchise league like the nhl has a plan to come back and it's just a matter of when for them the nba is obviously coming back the nfl hasn't been yet affected um and so we see every other sports league across the world even like f1 Mm -hmm. has a plan to come back they have eight races scheduled nascar came back already and i know there's IndyCar is also coming back. I think they have a race tomorrow, I believe, at the Texas International Speedway in Fort Worth, Texas. But every other league has some sort of a plan to come back or some sort of a plan to start, except for the MLB. And I think its leadership has been incompetent over the past few years. I don't think Manfred is a good commissioner, and we've seen that with the way he handled the Astros cheating scandal. Mm-hmm. And we're again seeing the way that the, the owners and MLB leadership is reacting to what is obviously trying in difficult times, but what everybody else has been able to easily adapt to. I think it's honestly harder to have your season cut off in the middle than to have it be delayed by a few weeks. But for some reason, these MLB players, or these MLB teams and owners cannot make a decision as to what to do. So It's so unfortunate that coronavirus just took a stranglehold of the MLB season because I think it ruined one of the best subplots leading up to a season in that every Astros game is must-see television. You're going to have, imagine Max Scherzer on the mound against the Astros, just fuming. He's already always just like foaming at the mouth, just pissed off at anyone he's going up against. But now with this additional wrinkle of the Astros being the cheaters of the league, you know, I'm so disappointed we're not going to be able to see that. Yeah. And then just for me, from a fundamental principle, I feel like A, summer's not summer without baseball, Mm -hmm. but also B, 
just baseball is a sport where I feel like with the pandemic we're in right now, it's a relatively safe, safe sport to play. It doesn't seem like it's that good of a risk or that, that big of a risk for players to play it. There's a lot of, as I said earlier, social distancing involved within baseball, like built into the way the sport played itself. So I thought, you know, initially when this pandemic happened and the NBA got canceled, I'm like, wait, MLB is going to be fine. Baseball's going to be fine. They basically socially distance anyways. So I'm just surprised to see that the, the sport that I would think is one of the easiest to play. I think that in tennis, where in tennis you technically don't even need to touch the other player's ball if you are careful about it. You know, those those sports where you don't aren't close to the players at all, like those sports would be the, have the easiest time coming back. But I mean, even tennis is having a quite a difficult difficult time starting or trying to start up again and trying to come back. So very confused. But yeah, but speaking of other sports, we have the NFL world, which has just been lit on fire with. One of the most likable athletes in the league, Drew Brees, making a statement about Black Lives Matter and how even though he was in support of the movement, you know, he, he said he would, initially his stance was he was going to disagree with anyone who stood against the flag or anyone who decided to kneel against, like, not in support of the national anthem, the flag, what it meant for. He talked about how his grandfather and some of his family members were in World War Two and what that meant to him. And after a lot of backlash from both his teammates, people around the league, LeBron James even called him out, he went full 180, you know, he put out an apology, he he added Trump on Twitter, he made it almost like a, not really a press release, but his speech was powerful, and at least based on looking on Twitter, you know, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, a lot of people said they had his back. They said, that's my QB. You know, the the whole point of this movement is for people who didn't know before what we went through, like, they got to learn. So I know there's a lot of people with a lot of thoughts on Drew Brees, on this movement in general, but just talking about Brees, do you, is, he, is he canceled? I, personally, for me, he's not, but what, what do you think? I think Drew Brees is a good guy. He's done so much to help out the city of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. He essentially helped bring them back when the federal government did literally nothing when Hurricane Katrina hit in in 05 or 06. I forget which year. I think it was 06. It might have been 05. But regardless, Drew Brees has done a lot for the city of New Orleans and has done a lot for the state of Louisiana in which there are a lot of people that are black. And a lot of Drew Brees' players have, uh, sorry, teammates and the players that have caught his balls, like I think I said, there was a stat I saw: ninety percent of his balls have been caught by by um a black receiver. Mm-hmm. So he's interacted with these people a lot. And I think his stance four years ago, when Kaepernick was in the league and was kneeling, his stance was whatever, and that was a lot of people's stance at the time. But you know, times have evolved, and we've seen, especially now, a lot of people changing their viewpoints. And the fact that initially Drew Brees still didn't change his viewpoint, but also posted the the black square on Instagram saying. Um, hashtag Blackout Tuesday, showed that he didn't really understand what was going on. And he didn't understand that kneeling against the flag wasn't an insult to the country, wasn't an insult to anyone that served, wasn't an insult to the flag itself. And it was essentially just trying to highlight systematic inequalities, police brutality, and racism that are prevalent across the country today. And I think after all this backlash, it seems as though he's learned his lesson, mm-hmm. but I can't be too sure. His wife also put out a statement saying we were doing the actions without realizing why we were doing them. Now I realize we like we are part of the problem. That is the problem. People are just doing these things like donating or or posting the square but not realizing why they're doing it. So I'm, I'm glad he learned his lesson. And I think obviously players on his team like Alvin Kamara and other people, 
when he made this apology and it seemed pretty heartfelt say i have to have my back because of course they have to have his back you can't beef with the guy that's handing you the ball mm-hmm. you know you can't beef with the guy that's throwing you the ball if you're michael thomas so you have to apologize you have to save face i hope truly hope that drew Brees has learned his lesson not that there's a lesson to learn but i truly i truly hope that drew Brees understands what we all were coming from when everybody on twitter was basically trashing him saying you don't understand you're part of the problem i truly hope that he's learned from that and overall i think that this was a an interesting 48 to 72 hour saga because as you said drew Brees got canceled by everyone that was in support of the black lives matter movement nfl twitter was a buzz and right-wing media hopped on drew Brees and supported him like never before you saw laura ingram saying oh drew Brees is a man he has a he has a right to his opinion when a few years ago i think it was a year ago she told lebron james to shut up a dribble very hypocritical of her and lots of people talk trash about her. But then you saw Drew Brees when he learned his lesson at Trump and said no. Like, because Trump tweeted a few hours before that saying, I love Drew Brees and he's, he's respecting the flag. And I respect him for respecting the flag. Old glory. He made some Trump tweet. And so, as you said, Drew Brees added Trump and said no, like you're wrong. So I think that was a very interesting saga. So I said he got canceled by the left, got canceled by the right, got canceled by the left. People are really in between. But one thing that was really telling was just the interactions. I was seeing on Twitter with a lot of NFL players. Um, Alvin Kamara, who, for those of you that don't know, is a running back on the Saints, um, had this, I think, 14 to 15 long tweet thread where he's basically talking about the inequities and the injustices that he's faced throughout his life as a black man. Mm-hmm. And one time, or in not one time, but in one of the tweets, he says, when I go to restaurants, I'm, I'm constantly asked to, to leave because I'm wearing a hat or because I'm not wearing the right dress code. But we all know that's just code for like, we don't think you belong here. We don't think that, you know, you're the right type of person to fit into this fancy restaurant. And we saw underneath all that, that Twitter thread, which I thought, again, was a great thread and really highlighted what a black person in this country goes through every single day. People highlighting on just that statement of he's been kicked out of restaurants for wearing a hat or not wearing, not following the quote unquote dress code. People said, oh, you know, I've, I've been kicked out of restaurants for not following the dress code too. Uh, just get over it, you know. I got over it. You should too. And just a lot of people saying that, and it's just disheartening just to see that people are still not able to have their minds changed, and people are still stubborn. But I think the good thing is, you know, people like Drew Brees, their minds are being changed, and people across the country, their minds are being changed. Seeing th- these graphic videos of police brutality, and seeing these graphic videos of police beating protesters, peaceful protesters, um, are really changing minds. So hopefully, this will result in something. Uh, and then change will come. And again, we've seen that with the NFL. The NFL said, sorry, we should have let our our players protest. They apologize for their past actions and the way they handled the whole Kaepernick situation. And Roger Goodell said, I will protest with you as well in the streets, which I don't think is, you know, really going to happen. But yeah, I mean, with, with Breeze, it's before this incident you'd never heard one bad thing about him other than the fact that you know he's only won one super bowl and it was strictly football with him before and as one of the leaders of the league one of the most influential players probably in the last like 10 15 years maybe of all time he's probably a top five quarterback but i i'm glad he learned his lesson i'm glad i I don't think he had any truly poor intentions with what he said i just think it was a matter of misunderstanding you know he he's not a black man he doesn't know the oppression the systemic 
root of everything he hasn't experienced the racism that a lot of his black teammates might have or a lot of the people across the nfl across other sports have so with him really really taking a lot of heat and eventually coming back to the fact that you know he's not a black person he's he is listening to his teammates now he's really taking everything into stride i know one of his teammates michael thomas the probably the best receiver in football right now he he spearheaded this kind of psa video in on behalf of the nfl with a lot of other players you know tyron matthew patrick mahomes obj and watson deshaun watson among others there were a lot of stars in that video and they were saying that we as members of the nfl will not stand for you know the racism the just oppression against black culture and black people right now the police brutality so i thought it was good that you know they got the nfl to really change and say look we we realized that what we did four years ago with kaepernick was wrong and we need we need to change things and as a league that generally hasn't been that progressive in terms of uh, when you think of progressive leagues, you think of the NBA and how every player has a voice. They're, Adam Silver is probably the best commissioner in sports right now. And I'm glad that Goodell's kind of seeing what his players are going through and trying to make that change. So it's been an, a very interesting news cycle. But for Drew Brees, there's there's a lot of cancel culture elements coming here. And People really need to take a step back and realize that, look, the guy learned his lesson and he seems to be doing the right thing moving forward. I believe that he will say the right things, you know, try and talk to his teammates because that's the type of guy he's been characterized as before. He's just a good person, which is why a lot of teammates just didn't outright slander him. So, yeah, I'm I, I don't think Drew Brees is a racist. I think he's a great guy. I just think he misunderstood the situation and I don't know why he had to bring up what his viewpoints were four years ago about that flag situation but i think hopefully he's gonna learn from that and i think one thing we've seen a lot now is sports twitter and regular twitter which has sort of transitioned into becoming uh, a twitter mainly driven on the black lives matter platform and in highlighting these inequities and police brutality have really intersected over the past few days over the past week even and we've seen Lots of good examples of this. We've seen lots of bad examples of this. We've seen people like Dabo Sweeney, uh, the the head of Clemson football, saying a, a very weak statement, not even saying the words Black Lives Matter. But then we see coaches like Tom Herman, who, who had a great statement. Um, he's the coach of Texas. But objectively, I think he had a great statement. He said, can the average fan relate? And he's talking about the Black Lives Matter movement. No, they can't. There's a double standard maybe a little bit. We're going to pack 100,000 people into DKR, which is the Texas stadium, and millions watch on TV that are predominantly white. Not all of them, certainly, but most of them white. We're going to cheer when they score touchdowns. We're going to hug our buddy when they get sacks or interceptions. But we're going to, but are we going to let them date our daughter? Are we going to hire them in a position of power in our company? That's the question for America. You can't have it both ways. And if you're going to cheer for them and love them for three and a half hours on a Saturday in the fall, you better have the same feelings for them off the field because they're human beings. They deserve the same amount of respect and human rights that all of us do in this country when we agreed on the social contract to be a member of the United States. And I think that statement is like by far the best statement that a football coach uh, in college football has put out. And I think that was a really good statement. Surprising a little bit, 
not that I don't think he was a good guy or whatever. I just uh, surprising that like an institution like Texas would allow him to give that statement out. But you know, really, really cool that he was able to do that. And again, we've seen this really weird inter not weird intersection, but just this crazy intersection of of people being both part of sports Twitter and also this Black Lives Matter movement and this crazy intersection of people either um, being canceled or not being canceled because of the statements they made. But I think, again, with just with regards to Drew Brees, I think he did do the right thing. I hope he learned his lesson. I hope he apologized. And I hope that people are getting this. I hope that people overall are seeing that this this movement isn't just this this movement that has no, no reason to be. There's truly these injustices in our society and this movement is trying to fix that and hopefully people are seeing that on twitter and other places yes sir and just a quick thing about herman it's it's awesome that he said what he said just because in college football especially so much of you know game culture and everything is so rooted in regionality and some of the biases that tend to come with you know playing in a certain conference playing in a certain region like the fan base you know uh, I know a lot of people like talking about, I'm not going to generalize anything, but like playing in Alabama or playing in Mississippi, like one of those schools, you know, the fan bases are just going to be different compared to if you go to school in Michigan or if you go to school in Cal Berkeley or Stanford or something like that. So it's good to see people in college football really being outspoken about this and saying the right things. Yeah, I think there are a lot of things wrong with the, not wrong, but there are a lot of things that the University of Texas football program and the University of Texas as a school itself should apologize for a lot of the, the game day traditions and the songs we sang and some of the things have really, really racist uh, roots. And I think that what we've done right now is a step in the right direction, but I think there's still a lot more that needs to be done. But I'm glad that whatever's happening right now in our culture is forcing this conversation to happen. And that when this conversation is being forced to happen, people are forced to admit their mistakes. And that at least is taking us to a better place than we were before. I don't think it's gone nearly far enough. I think it's, you know, it's only been two weeks since this whole thing started mm -hmm. um, or since this wave of it started. But I think the thing I'm most happy about is I'm seeing that there at least seems to be, compared to other times, a hope from a lot of people that this will lead to real change, that this feels different. Yeah. That a lot of people, people are getting on board and saying, yeah, you know, there is something wrong. So. All right. Well, Hopefully you guys learned something and just keep continuing to learn. We are too. We, we're obviously not experts on this. We, we don't know anything. So we're just going to keep reading more, you know, staying aware. And yeah, let's move on. Um, Ani, the NBA is coming back at long last. You know, we've uh, had... I am confused. Okay. So for a quick rundown on what's going on, the NBA will be resuming tentatively on july 31st and it's gonna it's gonna happen in a bubble site in orlando disney world and there's gonna be 22 teams that are returning to play eight regular season games and that was determined by any team that was within six games back of the current eight seed in either conference would be invited to this bubble so in the western conference that means aside from the one through eight seeds with the eighth seed being the memphis grizzlies the league invited the Portland Trailblazers, New Orleans Pelicans, Sacramento Kings, San Antonio Spurs, and Phoenix Suns. And in the East, the only team that was within six games back of the eighth-seeded Orlando Magic was the Washington Wizards at number nine. So all of the current playoff teams, plus those teams I just mentioned, will be at this bubble site. 
Now, where it gets interesting is every team is going to play eight regular season games, and this is determined in part on that team's current schedule remaining. So the league kind of just took that to determine which games would be played amongst these 22 teams. And if the nine seed at the end of all of these eight games, including the records from before, if the nine seed is within four games or fewer of the eight seed, a play-in tournament would occur. And in this case, the nine seed would have to win two games, whereas the eight seed would just have to win one to like lock in the eight seed. So my question is, is it just the ninth seed that has to be within four games? What if the 10th, 11th, and 12th seeds are all within four games? No, they, they just take the ninth seed. Oh, okay. So that that's the only part of the confusion on was this whole play-in thing for the eighth seed. It, they just take the ninth seed, dude. So essentially, it's it's kind of like a best of three series, but if the eighth seed wins one game, they automatically get it. But if the ninth seed wins two games, then they get it? Exactly. It's like a double elimination. Okay. Yeah. So the fun thing about this is that a lot of teams are getting healthy at the right time. You know, New Orleans was just getting healthy when the league shut down. Zion, with Zion, they won eight of their last 13 games. And that's a really scary team to look out for. Portland's getting back. Yusuf Nurkic, Zach Collins, they have a healthy roster. They haven't had that all season. So they're another threat to, you know, compete with Memphis and potentially steal that eight spot. So when going with hypotheticals, what are what are you looking forward to in terms of matchups? I think I'm I'm really again excited to see what the Pelicans will will do. I think the Eastern Conference is basically a lock. I don't I don't think the Wizards will make the playoffs. I think it'll be difficult for them too. You know, people are um, people are talking about John Wall possibly returning for this bubble. I I think it's highly unlikely, but I yeah, the gap between Orlando and Washington not only is it that it's not some insurmountable gap just because Orlando isn't some world-beating team. I just think the Wizards suck. They're yeah. just an offensively-minded team with no... They have no skill other than scoring the ball. They have a lot of holes, and they need to, they need to work on that. Yeah, I agree. And I think I'm really excited to see where the teams in the middle, like the Rockets, the Thunder, um, the Jazz... The Nuggets, those sort of four or five teams in the middle. I know the Nuggets are a three seed, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see how they'll fare because if I thought hypothetically of how the rest of the season played out, which is a lot more games than the eight remaining games that that these teams are going to play, um, I think that teams like the Rockets were sort of looking to be on an upward trend, kind of figuring their their new system out with PJ Tucker being in the five. So they had a lot more time to play with that, right? And if it didn't work over like a 10-game stretch, they could have easily reverted back to like putting somebody else, like a real center or somebody taller at the five. But now with eight games left, I'm wondering, are the Rockets going to completely sell out? Not sell out, but like stick with that strategy or are they going to change back to a regular strategy? Are teams going to be riskier, teams that are in the picture, but you know towards the bottom, like not in the top two or top three? Or... Are they going to try and stick to their strategy that they had initially? I'm just wondering strategically what these coaches are going to do. Another interesting thing as well is some of these coaches can't be on the sidelines. Um, Mike D'Antoni, for example, is an older coach, and he cannot be on the sidelines. He's at risk of getting coronavirus, so he will not be allowed to coach on the sidelines. So I'm very curious to see how that will affect these teams. We've seen other coaches 
step in when other people, like, for example, Luke Walton stepped in when Steve Kerr had those medical issues a few years ago, mm-hmm. and the, the Warriors did great then. Um, so I'm very curious to see, you know, if Popovich, I think he will have to step aside because he is an older coach. The The Spurs bench has Becky Hammond and Tim Duncan, right? So they yeah. have two great assistant coaches. So I'm very curious to see how that will will, will shape out because a lot of the coaches in the league are, are, are not a lot, but some of the coaches in the league are all are on the older side. So mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see how all of that. There's a lot of factors here. I really don't know what's going to happen, which is exciting. Oh, for sure. There's so many subplots and storylines. You're talking about the Rockets and with their system, they don't they don't really need to to work out a lot of kinks in their system. If you're talking about there's going to be a little training camp for these teams before the July 31st start. But with with Houston's offense, it's pretty it's pretty straightforward. They've been doing this for ever since D'Antoni came, you know. So, well, I mean, what I'm talking about is uh, maybe February, mid-February, late February, they switched and put PJ Tucker like at the after, five when they after traded. the Capella trade, right? Yeah, exactly. And the only like logistical change in their offense is they don't have that lob threat. Other than that, they just have James running iso ball and Westbrook doing his thing. Like no, it, yeah, it's no but, different I mean, than they only had. I think they had less than ten games with Capella not even on the team anymore. Yeah, they so after yeah after the Capella trade, they initially played really really well, and it it kind of they lost that a few were, games. No, yeah, and then they lost like three or four games. They went on a semi concerning losing streak. So, so that that's why I, it's a mixed bag for me because they were doing well and they beat the Lakers in that game, and then they lost a few games after that. So for for me, I was like, oh, I'll we'll see over these next 10, 15 games what's gonna happen. And worst case scenario, I mean, if this was like a regular season type deal. They could have, like, if they really needed to pick someone up from the waivers or otherwise, figured out some other plan of attack, right? But now yeah. with eight games, I don't, I mean, they're the sixth seed, but, like, it's not like if they, it's not like they're going to lose all eight games. And it's not like they're going to be knocked out of the playoffs. But still, seeding matters. And the Rockets would much rather face the Nuggets or the Jazz than they would face the Clippers or the Lakers. So, in the first round. Yeah. So, I just think that this eight game these eight games that everyone has to play leaves them with a lot less leeway than they would would have wanted to. Yeah, with the Rockets, Thunder, and the Jazz, there's going to be a lot of shuffling between those teams. Um, it's, it's very close in the middle of the West. I, I assume Denver is going to maintain that hold on the three spot. A funny thing Jamal Murray said is that Jokic is apparently ripped now. Like He has a four-pack. He's, he's really cut down. He's moving better. So if a pre-fit, Jokic was leading that Nuggets team to a third seed. I'm really excited to see slim down, kind of more agile, more athletic Jokic. Like with his passing vision, height, and now more mobility, that adds a slight bit of intrigue to that Nuggets team. And people were saying James Harden also slimmed down. You know, I saw pictures and kind of became a meme. But he's he's really cut now. He's not as he doesn't have as much body weight. And you know, this is this is the first time I think ever. Where teams are just gonna go into the playoffs rested, and this this has added a lot of longevity to many players' careers. I know Thaddeus Young said that his career was probably extended a couple of years because of this. You know, like he's mid thirties, and which is crazy to think about a couple of years just based on this, but it totally makes sense because if you think about what the controversy was two years ago when LeBron sat out before the playoffs happened. Mm-hmm. A lot of the controversy and people were talking about in the NBA was should there be a break between the end of the regular season and the playoffs? That's essentially what happened now. It wasn't a one or two week break. It was a three, four month break. But it really helped these players cool their bodies down. And I think 
as you said, rightfully so, there's going to be training camp. They're supposed to be in Orlando by, I think, the 1st of July, and they have some training. They have scrimmages, and they have a few quote-unquote preseason games, which are, again, just scrimmages. So they'll be playing basketball for like a full month before the season starts. So they'll be able to warm themselves back up into it. But almost every single player has been training. They've been going to the gym. They've been training at home. LeBron's mm-hmm. been holding private workouts with players. So it's not like these players are sitting around like eating Cheetos, getting fat. Um, <laughs> so I, th- I think it's a it's a great thing for the league. Yeah. Yeah, people were saying the the quality of play would be lower coming back just because it hadn't it hadn't happened for a while. But I don't I, think so. I really think this is going to be some of the best basketball we're going to see for a while. Just because definitely. I I can't imagine how useful this is for you know a player like Russell Westbrook or Joel Embiid who just constantly deal with these small you know nagging injuries and very physical players yeah yeah especially the way Russell plays it's just you know balls to the wall for 40, 40 plus minutes especially in the playoffs so this is yeah. gonna be great for a lot of these high end athletes um I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you some hypotheticals who do you who do you see as the biggest threat to leapfrog Memphis in the West? I think the Pelicans. The Pelicans have the momentum. Uh, I think the Blazers are close behind them because Dame always comes up in the clutch and they they do have this sort of clutch gene, the, the Blazers do at least, from previous seasons. Mm-hmm. So maybe if Dame goes really hard, they can. But I think the, the Pelicans for sure have a great shot. I don't think the Spurs can make it. I don't think the Kings, Kings can make it either. Uh, I don't know why the Suns are going to be in Orlando. They should be in Phoenix. Um, hey, six not. six games back, man. They're you yeah, know yeah. They're they're totally. just such an interesting team. They they were playing. They're well a hilarious team to watch. They're no, hilarious they're, team to watch. They they showed like for the first time in so many years. They showed signs of life this year. You know, Kelly Oubre, DeAndre Ayton, Ricky Rubio, Devin Booker. They have a nice little squad. You know, they they have this little hashtag called Valley Boys and. They they played really well. They lost a lot of close games to some top teams, and no, which is why it's hilarious because they have a good team, and they're good. They're good and bad at the same time. They're so oxymoronic. They have like good stretches, and it's just like I'm confused because they have a lot of good players on their team. Their bench isn't super deep, but I mean their starting rotation is pretty good, and it's just like I'm confused as to why they're. I mean, they're they most of their players are pretty young, so I totally get it. But mm-hmm. yeah, I think yeah. Book just needs to really figure out whether he wants to be point forward, point like a point shooting guard, or if he just wants to take to stop on... complaining about getting double teamed. But... No, I got so much respect for Book after this season. He's he's proved himself, man, and that is true. Yeah, as I said, top three top three pure scorer in the league. Yeah, Still stand by that up. statement. But one thing I was I was thinking about was um, we had we had our conversation with Daryl Armstrong, and he talked about how. He he won both the best, most improved player and sixth man of the year during the '99 season, which had a lockout in the beginning of the season, and that really helped him rehab his injury. So again, talking about these players coming back, I know both Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving said they're not coming back. Um, they both could be healthy at this point, but they both said they're not going to go to Orlando. Uh, but a player with a minor injury, a minor tweak, a minor this, a minor that, or someone on the road to recovery, someone like Zion. I'm really curious to see if this will help them out or not. I think it should. All points, all signs point to that, but we'll see. Yeah, this this is gonna create so many so many different injury, like small injury concerns have been gone because of this situation. 
especially with I, I know on the Miami Heat there's like Jimmy always has these small small things that keep him out game to game you know Victor Oladipo has that he, he's had a couple of months to really get himself into game shape and yeah really excited pace, to watch him yeah, dude, that Pacers team is going to be scary and damn my lights just turned on hella in my garage what the hell the hell scared all right um yeah dude this this is gonna be fun I I really thought the Kings were playing well before you know coronavirus happened they were they were playing well Buddy Heald was kind of accepting his role as you know coming off the bench and being the that spark plug scorer taking that Kobe mentality into every game and you know the Spurs have made the playoffs 22 years in a row and if I, I think they're too far back. I just think they're way... They literally have to win every single one of their games and hope that the Grizzlies slash Pelicans slash Blazers don't win more than two of their games. There's just a lot to ask for. I mean, there is a statistical mm-hmm. chance they can make it, but it's very low, and they have to play super well and hope everyone else plays terribly. That's yeah, my thing. You know, this, just, is, this is this is going to be the first time in our lifetime that the Spurs don't make the playoffs. Which is crazy. I think maybe maybe with the full season they could have. No, I don't think so. I think this gives them a better chance than if they had to play the full season. I mean, from a statistical standpoint, the full season would allow for more variance. So they could have gone on a longer run. They also could have lost more games. That is true. Yeah. I think if your core is... Actually, sorry. If your the, core the longer is... season would have allowed for less variance. So they would have yeah. like finished about from where they started. But I think from like a... From a, from a fake statistic standpoint in the hot hand fallacy like they could have gone on a streak i i would argue that just based on the the smaller sample size you know what if they string together like four or five good no, games yeah. in a row aldridge and derozan just go off every night you know but the, the issue here is that it doesn't matter how good of a streak they go on other teams have to lose just as much mm-hmm. whereas in like the regular season like if the other teams are on average okay and they were really good they could leapfrog them eventually by the time the postseason started rolling around but all right, let's talk about let's talk about the top teams. Um who do you think who who is the best player in the Eastern Conference right now? Giannis. Is he is he more important to a series for Milwaukee than I don't know, someone like like Jimmy Butler from Miami? I think Jimmy Butler is more important to Miami because I think Miami's team is not as good as um, Milwaukee's team. Even though Milwaukee has lost a few pieces in the past year, I still think that Milwaukee's team is more complete. I don't think Giannis needs to have a great game every single time for the Bucks to win unless, until they make like the Eastern Conference semifinals or, or finals. But I think for the Miami Heat, once they like... In general, I think Jimmy Butler needs to have like a solid game every single time. And I think it's a lot easier to shut down Jimmy Butler than it is to shut down Giannis, even though that really goes against what I said in our first episode, uh, our second episode, sorry. Uh, but I think it's easier to shut down Jimmy Butler than it is to shut down Giannis. So I think Giannis is not as important as Jimmy Butler to, to their individual teams, but I think Giannis is by far the best player right now in the in the East. You know, I was just checking you because I remember you had your little Jimmy Butler love affair from our first, like I think, our second episode. So I just wanted yeah. to, you know, make sure you realize that Giannis is the best player, not I, named okay. LeBron James. I I agree that I made a mistake, but I mean Jimmy Butler versus Giannis is like, and having Giannis in the finals at least was 
like of the Eastern Conference side for me and the best one-on-one players. At least I had him in the finals. You had Jason Tatum eliminating Giannis, which is still to this day an absolutely ridiculous take. Purely offense, man. I like purely offense. One-on-one is defense too. Jason Tatum's a good defender. You nobody can defend Giannis. I don't know why I said Jimmy Butler could beat Giannis. I really regret saying that, but like, I don't know why you said Jason Tatum could beat Giannis. It's a terrible, ridiculous. Jason, Jason Tatum is going to be all league for the next nine to ten years. I don't doubt he will be a good player. I just think you can't say he's going to beat Giannis because he's nowhere close to Giannis's physicality. In terms of craftiness, dribble, like, yeah, he has all that, but shooting... Giannis is just so big and so long that it doesn't matter. But anyway, okay, Tatum's not this like small scrawny dude. He's pretty dude, physical. He's like six eight. I know how like he's a pretty tall. He's player. like Paul like, George. I'm not. It's Giannis, dude. The man's has like a wingspan of ten feet. Like he doesn't need a jump to dunk. Like right, I'm just saying, a one on one. I I I put my money on Tatum. I'm just talking best player. Like we were just having the little best player thing. I just wanted to make sure you know Giannis is the best player in the East. He definitely is. But who do you think the best player in the West is? Is it LeBron? Is it, is it's, it Kawhi? It's LeBron. LeBron's the best player in the West. I think Kawhi's second. You know, AD third. Is that fair? I think right now it's AD second. Kawhi, I think AD has been on a tear recently. No, AD's been on a tear, but part of that is just a byproduct of playing with the best player in the world. Uh, well, you, you, you can't discount how good AD is playing because he's playing with LeBron. I mean... Kawhi's playing with Paul George. You can't be like, oh, Kawhi's playing well, but Paul George is also on his team. You know, I'm not discounting that, but eight, you know, you know, Kawhi has proven that he's a winning player, and he does it on both ends of the floor consistently, right? AD, AD played on the Pelicans. Yeah. And still made the playoffs. Yeah, he made the playoffs. Like, what? He had with a, the Pelicans. He had Drew Holiday. Dude, him making the playoffs with the Pelicans is, these, like, is the equivalent of like, the Lakers being the one seed, like, or I'm sorry, not the equivalent of Lakers being the one seed. It's the equivalent of like, well, actually, him making the playoff of the Pelicans is the equivalent of him or the Pelicans making the playoffs. Like, it's a miracle. Bro, like, he had to will that entire team. If AD truly is like a top five player, his team should have been making the playoffs every year. They made it once in 2015 and once in 2018. He was also injured a little bit sometimes. He did have some injury problems, but also. In general, his team sucked. His team was terrible. A- AD is someone who is the perfect complementary superstar. If he is your one option on a team, you might be good, but you're never going to reach that next level. Kawhi has proven that he can be the best player on a championship team. Which is why I think AD is the number two player in the West and not the number one. Who do you? Who's one for you? Oh, LeBron. I think it's LeBron. Oh, yeah. and so LeBron right now, one. Kawhi, I think it's yeah. well. I think it's LeBron one. Kawhi two. I, I think right now. I think as you said, overall player players. Yeah, I think Kawhi is a better overall player than AD. But I think right now AD has been on a tear. He's. I think he's gonna win Defensive Player of the Year easily. No, Giannis is gonna win it. Giannis is gonna win Defensive Player of the Year, man. Nah, dude. AD's been going off. Yeah, AD's been going off. But Giannis. That, did you see that ESPN poll on who they think should win Defensive Player of the Year? It was I was like, not. it was like sixty six percent Giannis. I feel like people have like Giannis sympathy now where they're like, they feel like Giannis is like undervalued by the rest of the fans in the NBA. So NBA media is like, we need to hype up Giannis. I don't think he's undervalued. I just think his defensive contributions are sometimes overlooked. And 
This this I do agree with. I think he's a lot better defender than people give him credit for. You know, he gets the credit. Like he's all defensive first team. He's just an all world no, no, no. defender. Dude, like okay. people don't people don't think of him as that same level as like Kawhi. Kawhi. I think yeah. he's because people are like, oh, this guy's so long, so big. He should be a good defender, which is uh, true, I guess. But like, he's literally warped our minds into thinking what a basketball player is. Giannis is Shaq with Durant's frame, with the muscles of LeBron. The leaping ability of a Vince Carter. Yeah. He's it's really he's insane. He's a freak. And I mean, he's, it's, he's, he's like one of the best players I've watched. I mean, obviously there's LeBron and Kobe, but like he's just like a new, he's the new generation. Oh, I've been meaning to ask you, what do you think of the Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell dynamic as the Jazz return? Dun, dun, dun. I mean, I think we'll see. Dude, Truly, the real question is, what is the overall dynamic between Rudy Gobert and everybody else in the NBA? I don't think everyone's pissed at him, man. Like, it, it, he was the reason bound, the entire season the, got canceled. Dude. The, he's, shutdown, he's, the shutdown was bound was to happen all regardless. all Gobert's fault. It was, uh, yes, spoken like a true media mogul, but that was going to okay. happen anyway. It was man. eventually going to happen, it and I'm glad happen. it happened when it did because a lot less NBA players got COVID. Exactly. But, like... He was the catalyst that shut it down. So I think we'll see what happens. I think I think more than anything, it'll be like kind of what I'm doing, like just a point to make fun of Rudy Gobert during play. Hopefully, it'll agitate oh, him the, a bit. The trash talking is gonna be so funny. I really hope we can hear it, dude. I really hope we can hear it. Hey, the only thing you can shut down is the league, bro. Uh, which is hilarious because again, Gobert is a great defender, but one of the best all time if you really look at it, but. That's going to be funny. I'm just going team by team trying to figure out some interesting things. You know, the Clippers are finally all, you know, all cylinders firing. They have their full team back. That's going to be the battle of LA kind of determines who wins the West, right? Yeah. Also, I just want to point out for the record, I was the one when Shams first came out saying it would be in Orlando. I was like, this is a great idea. It makes total sense. You were the one that was like, this makes no sense. It's never going to happen. So I just want to say right now, in your face. At this point, I'm just happy basketball's back. It's like always, guys. It's listen, like a, always listen to me. A part when it comes of my to sports heart, because I always know what what's what's right and what's yes, wrong. Yes, if I listen to you, then Devin Booker will be a top three pure scorer in the league. So he is the number three pure scorer in the league. It's undeniable. I'm taking Dame over him. I'm gonna go team by team and tell you one player on every team I think is better than Devin Booker as a scorer. Okay, let's go. Okay, Lakers. I, I don't think I can find anybody on the Lakers who's like a better scorer than Devin Booker. Clippers. There we go. Paul George is a better scorer. I, I disagree than Devin with this. You you could make a very outside case for Jamal Murray, but I don't think you should. No, absolutely not. I think Paul George on the Clippers makes sense. I think James Harden is a better scorer than Devin Booker. I agree with this. I think uh, Damian Lillard's a better scorer. Did Booker. not agree with this. I said Russell Westbrook is a better pure scorer. No, Westbrook is not a better pure scorer. Have you seen his jump shot? Uh, it it could use some work, but you know, a lot of work, man. Um, three was Harden, Westbrook, and then number three was Devin Booker, and that concludes the list because you can't think of anyone else on any of their teams. So, uh, there we go. Luca is a better scorer than Devin Booker. Pure scorer. Luke is a better overall player than uh, than Booker a thousand percent, but 
oh, dude, I'm really curious to see how Luca will play. And I'm really curious to see if Kristaps will come back to his full potential. And you know, Oh, Porzingis was playing really well. Like, especially yeah. when Luca was out, he was putting up mad, like 23-11, 23-15. Like, that was consistent. So I'm, I'm really happy to see that. He, you know, hopefully this will help him. I think it no doubt will help him. And mm-hmm. yeah. Clay Thompson's a better pure scorer than Devin Booker. Steph Curry's a better pure scorer than Devin Booker. Kyrie Irving's a better pure scorer than Devin Booker. Kevin Durant's a better pure scorer. I than didn't Devin count Booker. any of those players when we were talking about that list. I was talking. No, about I remember that... you said. I remember you said top three, including injured players. No, I dude, we were talking about top three in our bracket, which didn't include any of those players. So, oh yeah, because I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the guy that's not a Suns fan that says Devin Booker's a better pure scorer than Steph Curry. Yeah, I'm gonna be that guy, dude. No, I think in your heart of hearts, you actually somewhat would defend that. No, I, it's undeniable. You can't defend that. You can't defend KD. You can't defend Kyrie. You can't defend Clay. You can't defend Steph. These are things that are undeniable. Like, like it is what it is. Like, James Harden is up there, too, with all those players, right? And, like, he's in the mix with all those players. But, like, no way anyone can say, oh, Devin Booker's... Bradley Beal, Bradley scorer, Beal is like, a better pure scorer than Devin Booker. I disagree. I think Bradley Beal is slightly overrated. You think Bradley Beal is overrated? You put... For, oh my God! For the contract he received, I do not think he lives up to the expectations the man that his contract averaged deserves. Thirty this year, with no help, with no because point he's guard. The, he's the only person on his team that can play basketball. And that of course, doesn't he's going to average thirty points. I just think that if he was as good a player and as good a pure scorer, then he would like be dropping like. Not actually, the scoring numbers are fine. I just think he, you know what? Okay. Listen, man, what did Kobe do without help? Win MVP. What did what did his teams do without help? It doesn't matter. He won MVP. What were their records? He won MVP. I'm comparing a generational superstar to Bradley Beal. I'm just asking you what were what were Kobe's? I plead the fifth records. Exactly. They weren't great, right? Like the teams weren't fantastic. Like it you're also comparing Kobe to Beal, right? And in that sense, like it, it's unfair to Beal. But I'm just saying Beal can't be considered overrated because his team sucks. Okay. Yeah. He put up thirty six and five as a shooting guard who doesn't usually play point. Yeah. You know what? I I rescind this statement. I didn't okay. I think his contract though is quite overvalued. Like I don't think he should be getting paid that much. But I don't think anybody should be getting paid that much if they're not like LeBron or KD. But yeah, but I mean that, that's the thing with the NBA. You know, they just no his his contract is quite massive. That, yeah, that, they, I they think was play, the overall point. The NBA pays its players handsomely. So does the MLB. The NFL does not. Yeah, in the MLB, you get ten year, four hundred million dollar contracts for hitting a Which ball less than thirty percent of the time. Dude, Mike Trout's like Bryce Harper's contract, Mike Trout's oh, no. contract. My, Mike Trout's contract. contract is justified. That guy is the second no, no, no. best Mike player to ever def- play baseball. Dude. But still, like in general, you you see his contract and you're like, how does anybody make that much money? Oh yeah. No, he, the, he's the... Lit- he's literally gonna make half a billion dollars in his entire career just from salary. And never win a playoff series. And never win a playoff series. You know the Albert Pujols contract was what? Like really opened my eyes to how screwed up MLB contracts were. The guy was past his prime, you know, still produced like hundred RBI seasons, but 
He was like 32, 33 when that happened. Yeah, he was he was on the decline, and it was very obvious he wasn't the but same. But still, player. okay, he he had easily five six years left in him where he would be a better player than anybody they could have put to replace him. I think not for that contract, man. It doesn't matter about the contract because like there's unlimited money in baseball. But I just think like in terms of his production, from a defensive standpoint, he's still a pretty good like defensive player. Mm, from an he, offensive standpoint, he wasn't. Okay, the, dude, he's he, a first baseman. You don't need to be that athletic. That, to that's be a what first I'm baseman. saying. Like, there's no there's no added advantage to like. But dude, he he still he still puts up 60, 70 R, RBI seasons. Which if you bring some kid fresh off the farms, like the farm like the the farm leagues like the minors, to come and play for him, like he's not gonna put up a 70, 80 RBI season consistently. It's gonna take some time. So I think like if you're gonna pay him, just pay him. It's fine. It is what it is. Yeah, I don't know. The pools contract to me was a mistake. It obviously didn't help them like make any I mean, groundbreaking post. There's some moves. MLB players that play until they're like in their forties. Like I mean, Cal Ripken, like Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, crazy. Isn't he still? He's still playing. Yeah, he's still playing. That guy's yeah. ageless, dude. Dude, he he won his he 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 won the triple crown when he was like thirty three or thirty four. Yeah, it's... it was like he crazy old and he won the triple crown and i forget that the, led the tigers team i hate the tigers because the a's could never get past them it was they had a good team though in 20 in 2014 when or so 2012 when the giants swept them they had they had a good team they, they did like, they did ian kinsler i mean i don't know why i said his name first Miguel cabrera, cabrera. um prince fielder mm-hmm. good team their pitching uh, rotation was special verlander yeah. scherzer anibal sanchez and they, Rick, and they Rick still Porcello. lost to the giants they had three Cy Young winners. I know, and Rick Porcello. He was the he was the third Cy Young winner. Oh, sorry. Like Wait, he won. Anibal he won Sanchez it, didn't win. The... He won it later. Like Porcello Anibal won it Sanchez later. Sanchez didn't win a Cy Young. No, 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 he didn't. But he had a lot. Oh, of Oh no, really Porcello good, like... won on the White Sox, right? Or no, Porcello won on the Nationals. No, where did he win? Dude, I gotta Please. look this up now. This is frustrating. Uh, Red Sox, right? Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's a Red Sox, Red Sox guy. But when did he win the? What are you gonna say? Did he, he only play? Did he even? He won? only played. Oh yeah, he won the Cy Young in 2016 with the Red Sox. With the Red Sox, okay. Jeez. Oh no, so I said White Sox. I should say Red Sox. This okay. guy's career stats are kind of average. He had His one. He already four point three six. Yeah, he had one good year. Wow. And a bunch of like mediocre to like average years. He pitched an immaculate inning though. He won a Cy Young. I think pitching an immaculate inning is harder to do. Oh well. I guess that's that's really. You want to talk more NBA stuff? Actually, hold on. There are only ninety three pitchers that have accomplished the feat of throwing an immaculate inning. So really, if you think about it, an immaculate inning is harder to do than winning a Cy Young. If I tell my kid I pitched an immaculate inning, and my friend told his son that. He pitched the perfect game or won a Cy Young. I think okay, my, perfect game I think, is different. I think my perfect kid would switch families. A perfect game is different, but a Cy Young. I okay for from a standpoint of like how many people have won a Cy Young to how many people have pitched an immaculate inning. Fewer people have pitched an immaculate inning. Bro, you're just that's such a skewed stat because every year a Cy Young is mandatorily given out by for both leagues. I'm just stating facts. Yeah. 
For sure, for sure, the sighing is is, is a better career call. I was waiting for you. I was waiting for when you were you were just no, but realize. it is still cool that like he both pitched a sighing or pitched an immaculate inning and got a sighing. It can be on our next episode of sports trivia. Do you think Tim Lincecum will make the Hall of Fame? No, unfortunately not. I don't think so. He has two Cy Youngs back to back and three championships. You know how tough the baseball Hall of Fame is, though, dude. Like if this was really if this was basketball, Lincecum would be like five times inducted over. But the fact that MLB is so strict about even even players who have who've won World Series MVPs and you know made multiple All Star teams, won multiple Cy Youngs, they haven't made it. So. Which is very sad, but yeah, it is what it is. All right. Well, I guess that's that's it for this episode. Really, we hope you enjoyed this kind of a heavy episode. We had a, a there's there's a lot of stuff, rightfully so, that we needed to address in the beginning, and we just hope you guys are doing your part. We're definitely trying to do ours and keep learning, and we're gonna have sports soon. So this podcast is actually gonna become something where. We just don't spew all the bullshit that's on our mind. We actually talk about relevant things happening in the sports world, and we're excited for that. Yeah. Uh, July 31st, when the NBA season starts, hopefully hockey starts a bit sooner than that, and hopefully some other sports like Premier League, some soccer leagues will kick off. So we have more to talk about. But in the next few months, there are a lot more sports to talk about. But as you said, uh, stay active, do your part. It is a pretty trying time for this country and the world. Uh, still with this COVID-19 pandemic that's going on. So stay safe with regards to that. Wash your hands and follow us on Instagram, podcast.lockedin. Yeah, you Uh, know, stay active, stay safe, wash your hands. Peace.